Hey, everyone. Welcome to Views on View. Hooray. Yay, we, we did, did it. We did something very special for our 50th anniversary party. We, we had to do a lot of nego- uh, like sort of party. This is a party. Uh, we can add some like party noises like meow, 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 in post, right? We can do that. Yeah, we yeah can absolutely. Do, we can even and do you know, like yeah. And, and we practiced that exactly no times, so... I, I wanted to do a musical episode. I actually brought my guitar. Play uh, something. Yay! <laughs> what am I going to play? Am I going to play a view song? I mean, you don't have to sing. You can just, like, I don't know, like, strum. Play a chord. <laughs> That's what people do sometimes. I'll, I'll play some I'll, I'll play some plinkety-pluckety stuff in the background. And... Yeah, haven't you, seen, haven't you seen those where some people, like... Like comedians, like stand-up comedians, they'll like play and then sometimes they'll sing, but sometimes they'll just play and then they'll talk while they're playing. <laughs> I am go. I am so rusty, but I actually used to do weddings and stuff. Oh damn. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> I, I've literally picked up a guitar for the first time like the other day in might been it might have been a couple years since the last time. Wow. Anyway, yeah, so episode fifty. Episode fifty. Welcome to Views on View. The yeah. almost a little bit me- uh, musical episode. Yeah. So we uh, typically what I've done on on the other like fiftieth and hundredth and so on. And incidentally, this is the third uh, sort of anniversary episode that I'm recording this week. We did episode 400 of Ruby Rogues and 350 of JavaScript Jabber. So what we typically do is just talk about the show. So how how we kind of wound up getting the crew together and, and things like that. And then, you know, just, just talk about ourselves and where we're at and where things have gone. You, you both have been on since the beginning, though, haven't you? Not the very beginning. Yeah, neither. Really? It was more like I don't know. I was on. I was a guest first. Ah, uh, oh, I wasn't yeah. even a guest. Womp womp. <laughs> That's okay. That's right. Because we, I think initially the the crew was uh, Joe, Cher, Stewart, Eric Hanchett, and myself. Mm-hmm. And then we got Chris on. Yeah, I, I I came on, and then you asked me if we wanted to do like if I wanted to do another episode because probably. Most of the material in my first episode was just totally unusable. And it's just like, we got we to gotta get something out of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I came back and then it's like, you know what? You want to do this normally every week? Yeah. I, I thought that would be really fun. And also like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be on a dev chat TV show. Like I've been listening to these podcasts since I've been a web developer pretty much. Weird. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, and see, I didn't realize that you had been a longtime listener. I just assumed, oh, we, we were getting this view expert on. And yeah, keep coming back, Chris. <laughs> so J- JavaScript Jabber um, and Ruby Rogues. I uh, listened to a lot of both of those. Yeah, nice. same. Well, yeah. And those, those are our two longest running shows. So fun stuff. So how did you get the idea to like start a view podcast? Like what made you decide like, I don't have enough podcasts? Yeah, exactly. Right. I try and stay in touch with people who listen to the shows. Like I try and make myself available. Uh, Occasionally I'll send a survey around to see where people are at and things like that. And what happened was I sent a survey around to kind of get the feel for the listenership. And I asked them what they wanted to do shows on. You know, I was like, if we started new shows, what do you want? And the overwhelming response was, of course, react. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the other response that I got a lot of, because of the Ruby community, a lot of people have been moving toward Elixir. So I got a lot of requests for that. And I was gearing up to start those. And, you know, I was talking to people like Joe and, and folks on JavaScript Jabber. And Joe said, well, you need to do one on Vue as well. So we, we started three shows instead of two. <laughs> so the story of the Vue podcast is there were a lot of, there was a lot of demand for other technologies. And then we figured... Ah, we'll do view two, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have to but support it, all the frameworks. Well, the thing is, is it you know it was growing a lot. There, I mean, there were a lot of reasons to start it. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't one that I was getting asked for all the time. And mm-hmm. so you know, Joe made the case, and I was like, yeah, you know, it, it's growing. People want it. People want to learn it. And what's interesting is it it has grown pretty much on pace with the React show. So. Oh, wow. So we actually have listeners. Yeah. People listen to us. Shocking. That is something that I've had to get used to a little bit. Obviously, you've been doing this forever. Uh, You probably have, like, most of the people who know you, like, know your voice. And this is probably, like, a daily occurrence for you, where you meet someone. It's like, oh, hey, Chuck. Uh, how are you doing? Like, did you finish that book? Um, you know, like, have you watched the latest season of blah, blah, blah? And you're thinking like, who's this person? Like, they obviously know me, but I can't remember their name. And it turns out you've never actually met. They just right. know all about your life from the podcasts. Yeah, I've encountered some of that. What's really fun is when I go to a conference and I'll be standing in line for like lunch or to talk to somebody at a booth at a conference, you know, I'll wind up chatting with somebody and the person in front of me, I'll see their head go up. And then they'll turn around, right? And they're like, because <laughs> they recognize my voice. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. Headphones on. Yeah. So that, that's always fun. But yeah, I mean, what's really nice is just connecting with people. And y- you mentioned that, you know, maybe that's a common occurrence. It's somewhat common at some of the conferences. So like when I go to an Angular conference or a JavaScript conference or Ruby conference, it happens. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. But I mean, here... Like I go to the grocery store or something, like nobody knows who I am. So, you know, it, it's, it's still a little bit strange, even when I'm kind of expecting it to happen sometimes. But yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. Yeah, I, I live in a pretty small town. I mean, it's actually the, the capital of Michigan, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like a big city. Uh, right. You know, I, I grew up in a big city and this is not it. Uh, most people who are doing things know each other. Uh-huh. And so, like, I, I never have the case where someone, like, knows of me. Right. But they, but they don't know me. It's pretty rare. Yeah, but you go to the VIEW conferences, and again, you know, some folks are going to know who you are. Yeah, then I'm in an alternate reality. Right. And then I feel bad for not remembering someone who it seems that I've met, but then a uh, sigh of relief. They just know <laughs> me from the podcast. Well, I've even run into people that I've met at, like, two or three conferences, and it's just that, you know, I meet a lot of people at a lot of different things. And I go out of my way to meet people. And so, yeah, it's, I, they usually get an apology. Oh, yeah, I kind of remember a conversation that we may have had, you know, after they remind me what we talked about at the other conference. So you're saying you forget people that you met? Heck, yeah. You are such a jerk. I, I never forget anyone I meet. Everyone I meet is, is, is so right? special to me. Um, except for the people that I've met and forgotten and then forgotten again because they are so unimportant to me. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so Chris is amazing, and I'm not, and that's fine. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I, 
No, that, that is that is hard to to remember everybody that you meet. Like I remember conversations oftentimes. And I, I often remember like what people did, like more than their name mm-hmm. and even their face sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I'll get a reminder and it's like, oh yeah, you know, you were, yeah, we met at that other conference and we can have some of that conversation. But sometimes yeah. I just don't, I, I really don't. I've seen them at like six conferences, but most people are understanding too, right? It's like, I bet you have people come up and act like they yeah, know but- who you are. And, and yes, that happens. And, and it's hard to keep track of all of it. So. Before I came on Views of View, we actually had that experience uh, probably two dozen times at conferences. Like you just could not remember me, no matter how many times we talked, which was which was fine. That's fine. Yeah. What's your name again? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'd actually, I actually I had never met Chuck to my knowledge because I didn't even know what you look like. <laughs> like I never looked up the people who are on podcasts. Yeah. Funny so. story. This is a total tangent, but uh, when I first got into listening to podcasts. I worked with another person. We were doing QA for the company I worked for. And uh, he was way into podcasts. He was into a couple of podcasts. One of them was Grammar Girl. Yeah, so I started listening to shows because he was listening to podcasts. And I found a couple on things that I was interested in. And uh, yeah, so one one day I actually pulled up a picture of uh, Mignon Fogarty, Grammar Girl. And I left it up on his computer. And he was so pissed at me. (laughs) Because he didn't want to know what these people looked like. But yeah, it's a common thing. Because I I doctored the image a little bit, I put her name on it. Okay. Uh, But yeah, it's everybody just consumes it differently. And some people want to know everything about the people they're listening to, and some people don't care. And and that either way is fine. I'm not offended either way, but it's interesting that, yeah, it's like I I, thought. I personally wish I could go back to like when I didn't know what you looked like. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real letdown. But anyway. We're we're all shorter <laughs> than you're thinking. And and one of us is way shorter than you're thinking. <laughs> yes. No, but I feel like it yeah. That's pretty obvious yeah. who. But one thing that was kind of fun, you know, so we, we do this and we have video on, right? Um mm-hmm. I don't publish the video, but we have it on. Um that's something that I'm really looking at, you know. But I, I don't know if a lot of people really care about the video, so I'm trying to decide there. But uh, yeah, so we get to see each other, but we also all got to meet in person, except for John Papa, and you guys have probably met him at other things, at the Framework Summit. And that was a lot of fun. That was really fun. Yeah, that was great. And we did a live recording too. mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah, the episode with Ben Hong. Well, not exactly live, right? Because it wasn't like streaming directly to the Yeah, but it was like in We did it together, yeah. Yeah, I was eating and being unprofessional. I've been told I'm unprofessional in my podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly that. mostly just me who tells you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. I mean, I I, I wasn't late today. <clears throat> yeah, I was late today. For the record, I was late. I lost track of time. <laughs> but I have no. Yeah, I have no other excuse than that. <laughs> I just lost track. Of time. <laughs> I was uh, resuscitating a kitten who was in a coma, and now okay. she's fine. Yeah, How do you know good. a kitten is in a coma versus it's dead? I mean, we don't need to go. I I, I talked about it on my kitten podcast, so you can listen to that. <laughs> it's um, uh, what's what's yeah, something like it's on, view, it's on YouTube? How to resuscitate some alliteration? Schrodinger's kitten. Schrodinger's kitten. <laughs> Talking about kittens? No, I don't got it. Yeah. We can workshop. We can workshop it later. Yeah. 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 But it was just a ton of fun to just kind of all be together and. The, the yeah. interaction's different when you're in person. 
I joined the show after being a guest relatively early on. I might have been like the third or fourth. Yeah, something like that. Or something like that. Yeah, I think we um, had you on to talk about the docs, and then we had you back on like a week later to talk about Enterprise. And then we were like, just keep coming. And then, and then I think you brought Divya in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I I knew Divya from conferences and happened to know that she was just like a really good conversationalist for like talking about tech and like really enthusiastic and like had a lot of knowledge about view and like other things related to the front end. And so she seemed like a natural person since we were looking for, you know, possibly another, another panelist. Yeah. And especially someone else who, who with a lot of deep view knowledge. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is that uh, I've had arguments with people about who, who we select as hosts and my primary concern is that we have a great show with great content and that usually boils down to the hosts. And so it was awesome to get Divya on because she has deep knowledge about things that I don't. It was a great thing. She came on and I'm like, yeah, she's awesome. You know, keep coming. Thanks. So, yeah. <laughs> so Sometimes too deep. Like <laughs> Divya yes. helps me, Divya helps <laughs> me with my, like she, she gives me feedback in some of my talks as I'm developing them. Uh... And you know, like sometimes like I, I'm hoping like I'm going to teach Divya something new and most of the time I can't. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. I've learned. Well, I'll, I'll ask you, it's like, so what kind of things, like what kind of things did you learn? What kind of things did you find interesting? And he's like, well, I kind of already knew that. And that was, it. oh, no, but I knew that. And actually that's not quite right, actually. And I'm surprised you didn't talk about this. <laughs> and he's like, well, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> Yeah, and now she's making humble genius protests. No, no, really. I've actually learned a lot of things from, um, like, I've helped out in Chris's workshops, and I've learned a lot of tricks that I don't use in my workflow. So, yeah. If you say so. No, it's true. It's true. You have all your, like, your tricks. What was the talk that you have? It's like... Seven Secret Patterns. Seven Secret Patterns. Yeah, that was great. I like that talk. Nice. As far as the other hosts go, so Eric, his... Him being on the show was kind of interesting because I met him through another podcast. So every Friday morning, I get together with a couple of guys. So John Sanmez, I don't know if you guys know any of these folks, John Sanmez, Josh Earl. Um, we used to have Derek Bailey, who was big in the backbone community. And we have a new guy, uh, Manny Vea. And uh, yeah, we, we get together and talk about our businesses. And so it's a mastermind group and it's just open. And uh, Josh and John decided to open up other groups and pull them together. And Eric was in one of those groups. And so when I was putting the View podcast together, uh, I think I mentioned it on, on Entreprogrammers. And you can go listen to those at entreprogrammers.com. Well, he was a listener to that. And that's how we wound up in that other group. And so he reached out and said, well, I'm writing Vue.js in action for Manning. And I'm like, done. You're in, right? So... Yeah, that worked out pretty well. And that was a lot of fun, just kind of getting to know people that way too. So, so yeah, and I also that way. And Joe recommended Share. I, I also really appreciate Eric's like perspective as another educator. Definitely. Yeah. He has like insight into exactly how to explain something. Like on the podcast, when we talk about something that's in depth, he has given a lot of resources or talked about a lot of things that help to clarify certain <laughs> things that might not be as clear. And that's some great questions. Yeah. yeah. The other yeah. thing that's interesting about that too is that, you know, Chris, you've written the docs or a lot of the docs are overseeing that. And, mm -hmm. you know, Divya is exploring different avenues, but it's different when you're writing a book. 
And so he's really had to do some research and really had to boil down some ideas. And I think that's where a lot of what you're talking about comes from. Unlike me, I didn't have to do any research. <laughs> well, I'm sure you did, but writing the docs is different, right? You yeah. can incrementally update that because it's all online. For him, he that's had to true. make sure that it was all in the book when it got printed. But, but he does, um, I, I think he does also update his book as... Yeah, he does. And he does courses as well. And if, I, I think he has an online version of the book that you can get if you always want the up-to-date version. Yeah, I think Manning offers that. So it's, it's definitely a different perspective when you're out there trying to write a full-on tutorial, you know, as opposed to documenting things or, you know, getting a basic tutorial to get somebody going and then, you know, making yeah. sure that everything else is just clearly documented. He's actually trying to walk somebody through a narrative with you. Well, we actually try to do that with our, with our guide. Um, yeah. That's, that's more of a narrative. So I think it is similar in a lot of ways. It, there is definitely, definitely value in, in his approach because there's always, in all the books and materials that there are out there, because there are always multiple ways to like, tackle a subject and, and multiple yeah. different directions you could be coming from and like different like, assumptions and backgrounds that readers are going to be coming from or viewers in the case of mm -hmm. like, video courses. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy about the, the wealth of materials that are out there for yeah. view. So one thing that I'm curious about is which episodes have been your favorites to record. But we didn't talk about we didn't talk about John and Cher that much though. Yeah. John and And Cher. Yeah. Cher, uh, you just mentioned her. You forgot already? <laughs> I mentioned Cher, but you know, she she was on for a bunch of episodes at the beginning. She definitely had some interesting perspectives on things, but yeah. Yeah, I miss her, but she she got she got pretty busy. Yep. And yeah. then John so the thing, the thing with John is kind of interesting. Cause he looks like, <laughs> well, like pause. dramatic pause. No, I'm just trying to think of the yeah, best it way. Sounds to talk like, about it, it sounds like you're about to tell everybody that John's off the podcast. <laughs> no, Joe, Joe actually <laughs> bowed out cause he's busy. Oh, is he off? Oh, really? Yeah. He, he told me that he was quitting the show. I didn't know that, I didn't know that either. I know we hadn't seen him for a while and I missed him. Yeah, I know. But, I really enjoy talking to him. Yeah, the deal with Joe is he acquired Thinkster. Right. And so he is working on pulling some things together there. I'm actually collaborating with him and I'm going to be producing a Thinkster podcast for him. So he's yeah. pulling together a panel and he's going to run that show and then he's going to get me raw audio and we're going to produce it for him. So that's something that's going on at devchat.tv. We're starting to do that kind of thing where it's, hey, it's branded towards something other than devchat. So, oh, interesting. That's cool. Yep. So we're working on that. And I think that show is going to start releasing toward the end of February is what we're kind of looking at right now. So they're going to start recording really soon, but we're going to make sure that there are a handful of episodes in the feed when we launch so that we can get into new and noteworthy and things like that on iTunes. But yeah, John, uh, John we brought him into Adventures in Angular pretty early on. And so he'd been podcasting over there for a while. He was working for Disney and uh, yeah, he's been huge in the angular community yeah big movement over there i didn't really realize that he was doing a lot of stuff with react and view as well once he moved to microsoft and was doing the evangelism stuff over there and so at one point he reached out and asked to be on the view podcast and i think i said yes and forgot and then he reminded me and so we finally got him in and so yeah when i was hesitating to talk about it i was like I was like, I think I screwed that up. And I think he came back and fixed it for me. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. I, I, 
I really enjoy the, especially the the questions that he asks and forcing people to not only guess, but also us, like break down things that we say so that we're not just like assuming a lot of knowledge. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting with John is that he talks to a lot of people and and he works with some really brilliant people that work in React, in Angular, and in Vue that are all part of his team at Microsoft. And so he brings a lot of context that comes from the outside and from the inside of the community. And that's always an interesting thing because then we get, oh, well, you know, in, in React or Angular, they do things this way. And this is very similar or very different. And, you know, what are the trade-offs and things like that? And, and you get a lot of that, yeah. that kind of context from him. Yeah, I've had great discussions with him on, on that kind of stuff on and off the show. Yeah. So and he'll be of- speaking at uh, ViewConf in 2019, ViewConf US. Nice. In Tampa. I am working on getting out there. I would like to make it to that conference. So You should. I should. We could do another live episode. We, we could. We really could. We've actually done live episodes at conferences for Ruby Rogues a couple of times, and those are always fun. So, yeah. Anyway, what were your favorite episodes to be on? Or Chris asked also, what, what, which ones did you feel the worst about missing? Yeah, this is one that I feel the worst about. Missing Miriam Suzanne, who is one of my favorite people. <laughs> and she her, brought so much her, character. <laughs> so much she, character. Have you, like, have you, also, like, you've seen her talks, right? I haven't, actually. Wow. She is, like, she's also one of the best speakers that I've ever seen. Like, she, it's an art form. Uh, mm-hmm. does it. Like, there are so many, like, callbacks to what people have previously done. And, like, so many tiny, like, subversions of expectations where, like, I almost feel like I'm watching informative stand-up. <laughs> and like she's sort of like emceeing the conference at, at the same time. It, I, it's it's just amazing. I've never seen. I don't think I've seen anyone do it quite like she does it. Honestly, she's fantastic, and we're going to have her at ViewConf US as, as well this next oh, year. We had her on for the for the first time. Uh, we missed her for the last round, and we're going to do it again. And I am so so excited. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was so sad to miss her. I was the one who invited her to the podcast, I think, and. And then it conflicted with another conference that I was at. Yeah. So what shows did you enjoy recording that you were on? I'm going to jump in here. Jump in. Yeah, go ahead. But I really liked chatting with Eduardo and Guillaume. Mm-hmm. Just because I think, I think those conversations, like, we really dug super deep. And we've talked to Ed- Eduardo, like, twice or three times at this point, just talking about different, covering different topics. And I think that was... In a sense, some people find it repetitive to have some similar speakers or similar guests, but I found that we could dive into specific things. So like one of the episodes, we talked about plugins and what he was working on. And then like from there, we delved into like how he structures his components and the patterns he enjoys using. And it was just really fun to do that because I, I felt like sometimes when you're talking with a guest that's new, it's always nice to have new people on, but you're mm-hmm. just, it's kind of, you're just touching the surface because you're getting to know them, trying to explore topics to go down or routes to go down. And I think there is some value in like having that familiarity of a guest coming back. So you have things that you can work on and, and touch on and kind of dig deep, which I really like. Yep. And yeah, they're, I think... they're fun people too. So yeah, they are. <laughs> it's like a hoot. 
Similarly, one of the highlights for me was definitely having Torsten on, uh, also from the VIEW team, Mm -hmm. because even though we'd been working together for years, like we had never been at a conference together at that point. And that was actually the first time hearing each other's voices, I think. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, hearing each other's voices like in an actual conversation. Yeah. And so that was really fun. That's the one I missed. Yes. The, the only one? No, I missed a couple, but I think that's like, that's the one I was super bummed to miss. I think I was like not in the country or something. I don't exactly remember why. I was like in a completely different time zone. You might have been temporarily kicked out of the United States. Yeah, just temporarily. And also, yeah, just Views on View was recording at like 3 a.m. or something. So. Right. For those of you who don't know, Divi is actually an international crime lord, and she also often has to hop from country to country to hide from the international justice yeah. police. In, in uh, whose who's real name I can't remember. Isn't it like Intercom or Intertel or something like that? Interpol. 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 Yeah, that's it. That's a real thing, right? That's not just from yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's real. Okay. Oh, yeah, Divi, obviously. Is... She's in the business. I obviously know. Yeah, Divi is the modern day Carmen San Diego. Yes. I've always wanted to be Carmen Sandiego. There you go. I finally embodied her. I think for me, you know, getting back to episodes that we've really enjoyed, I like the ones where we're talking about how how people are using Vue and things like that. Like we had the folks from GitLab on and we talked yeah. about, oh, what are you doing? And how does this, you know, all go together? We had Ben Hong on to talk about what they're doing at Politico. And, you know, yeah. it's the same deal, right? It's It's, hey, how does this all come together? And you know, and sometimes it was, well, we've got this thing that's kind of on the back end, you know, with Ben, but it's helped us in these ways and these are our struggles and, you know, GitLab, you know, the same thing. And yeah, for me, that's kind of a, a big thing. And then the other episodes, if I could just throw a couple out there, were things mm-hmm. like uh, contributing to open source and some of the ones where it was just yeah. us talking about, hey, well, I've done this. And this was what was great about it. And this is what was hard about it. And then having everybody else chime in and go, oh, yeah, well, and, and you can really do this and, and empowering people and letting people know, hey, look, you know, these are the possibilities. And here's how you get involved. And we really want to help you and have all that kind of work out. So, yeah, that's been fun. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like getting users' perspectives and seeing like all the different ways that people are like, creatively using Vue to solve really cool problems. Yep. That's awesome. Yep, 100%. So I'm also curious, um, and this is a question that came up on Ruby Rogues and we got a whole bunch of interesting answers. Wait, but before we jump to that though, like you didn't say which episode you are most sad about missing. So one thing that I like to do when I start a new show, and uh, funny enough, um, I haven't been able to do this show, this episode yet for React Roundup or Elixir Mix, which were the other two shows started around the same time. But we got it for this show and I was really ticked because we got it lined up and then I had to miss it. And that was the View Origin story with Evan Yu. I wasn't even on the show that at that point. You weren't on the show at that point. Yeah. Neither of you were. But uh, so Joe I have no idea how you started. talked to Evan and got the origin story and I was like, I was like, dang it. <laughs> You know, because I, I love the stories, right? I love the, yeah. the you know, because in some ways, I feel like Evan is somewhat extraordinary. But for the most part, most of the people oh, obviously. About, th- there are a lot of just really common human aspects to him, right? And you talk to Evan and you'll figure out that he's just a guy, right? We love you, but he's just a guy. 
And so, you know, it's like, well, I was just a guy and I decided to do this and this is, we, we got view from it. And yeah. so it's, it's that kind of thing where it's like, you know what, I'm kind of the common person that turned into the common hero in some way. We get that a lot in the Angular community with like Mishko Heavery or React when you talk about Jordan Walk. Yeah. We had Brendan Eich on and, and we spent two hours talking to him about the origins of JavaScript on JavaScript Jabber. And that's the kind of thing, right? Where it was like, well, we were just doing normal people things and we were put in a position where we had to create something big. Yeah, but but he is also like extraordinarily talented and yes, works so, so hard for the community. I don't think most people realize like how how hard he's working. Yeah, but that's the thing that I also find inspirational is that if I had been put in a position like Evan's position and I had done the work that Evan had done, there's no reason why, you know, things couldn't have turned out somewhat similarly, right? And so I love getting that story. It's like, look, you see a big problem out there, go solve it, right? And, and that's, that's what gets me excited is, you know, what's the next view? What's the next thing that's going to move things forward in a meaningful way? Evan was just in the right place and did the right things to get there. And we're yeah, all benefiting I, from it. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of us too. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, and Sarah Dresner, who's also on the, on the View team and one of my favorite people as well. She often talks about, because people ask her, like, she, she, she has something like 100,000 something followers on Twitter. And, and she, like, she's been interviewed by the New York Times to like, ask what's in her bag and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> I think it was the New York Times. She's famous, like even beyond View, and well before she was in, even involved in View. And so, a lot of people ask her, like, "How'd you become this successful? Like, how do you do the amazing work that you do?" And she talks about how, well, there were many years where I was doing the same stuff, and just no one cared. Yep. And then they started caring. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, and you know, I have people ask me the same thing about the podcast, right? And it's it's kind of the same thing. It's well, I just started talking about this code and stuff. And yeah, eventually people liked what they were hearing. It's the same thing as doing the work, sticking it out. And all of these people are very human, very relatable. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of put them up on a pedestal, but you get to talk to them or meet them and you realize they just did the work. Yep, they just showed up. I, honestly, that's, that's a big part of how, you know, I, I became more involved in, in the docs and, you know, ended up writing most of the the core docs for Vue 2.0 yep. is in designing 2.0. Um, you know, I, I just created an issue where we, we'd be able to split out the work and decide like, okay, you can work on this and you can work on this and we can parallelize it. And then I started just writing stuff and people were liking what I was writing. And so they didn't want to write themselves because then it wouldn't be written by me because <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they were enjoying, they were enjoying my work. And then I ended up just doing like 95% of it. But really, it was just like showing up. No one put me in charge of that. No one said like, hey, Chris, do you want to be in charge of documentation? Right. I was just there. And then people started deferring to me for stuff. And like, I still, like, I'm, like, I'm not above anyone. I don't have any like official position where like I like have people below me or anything like mm-hmm. that. And the same is true for everyone in the core team, except for, except for Evan who is our benevolent dictator for life. We all just try to help out where we can. And people become leaders on the team and in the community simply by showing up and doing stuff. 100%. And and that's, you know, I've got another show that I started 
in November called the DevRev. And that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about here is a lot of people are like, how do I get to where I want? And, and that's the thing is you figure it out, you figure out what you want, and then you go execute. You just show up, you get it done, you do the work. And I mean, it's funny because we talk about these people that we hold in high esteem and within a, the different communities, and that's what they did. You're absolutely right. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. What was your story like, Divya? Like, how did you get like, more involved in the Vue community? I think it's, it's similar to what you both have been talking about in that I was doing a lot of Vue in a corner <laughs> just by myself. And then I decided that I wanted to be more uh, like, involved in the community. And so um, I like, applied to speak at ViewConf, which was like, the first step in a sense, because I've been doing a lot of really interesting things. And I had just switched from React to Vue and I was like, oh, maybe if I give a talk about this, people would enjoy it. And it ended up being pretty, pretty good, I think. And then from there on, like people enjoyed the way that I present content. Like I personally, like I'm not an educator, Chris is, and so is Sarah. And so they're both able to break down content in an understandable way because they have empathy for what a student, like how people learn. Um, and, and I you don't, have no empathy, yeah. I have That's zero. Something I have noticed about you. <laughs> I, ha- I have that. Well, like, it's more common I, than you think. I think it's just a matter of, I don't, I've just been on the other side as a student. I mean, I've been a teacher mm-hmm. before. Like, Yeah, you, I you have, I, I will say, you're not trained as an educator. Yes, I'm not trained as, a, I've taught. But you but do I'm have not. education experience and you yeah. obviously do a lot of education. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of started doing more of this because I really enjoy talking to people about what I'm working on, what they're working on, and then just just geeking out about various things. And that resonates really well in general because I think the nice thing about Vue is that if you care enough and you want to share with the community, people will listen to you mm-hmm. um, because the community in general enjoys doing that. And not saying that this is unique to Vue or anything, but it's just a really nice part about Vue is it's definitely smaller compared to a lot of other frameworks. React. Um, <laughs> And and in a sense, like that is a benefit because you have access to people quite readily. So I could talk to Chris really easily without being a prominent individual or whatever. Like I could just like slide into his DMs and be like, hey, can you help me with this thing? And so I think the more you do that and the more you're open to sharing, the more opportunities pop up. So it's just similar to what Chris was mentioning too, just like, you start doing a thing and then opportunity knocks on your door and you kind of answer as you go. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is cool. I'll keep doing this thing. And then you just like, it just, well, not spirals. Like it just builds. Yes. Yep. There's more control to it. It's not random. There's, there's some order. And that's pretty nice because then people see you as 
a person to ask about a specific thing. They see you as an expert, so to speak, because you've shared so much and you talk so much about specific things in view or like a concept. If you like like data visualization or whatever, for example, then people see you as like that expert. And so if they're like, they have an opportunity regarding that or they have a question regarding that, they know to address, to come towards you. And I think Chuck, you've mentioned this a little bit and so has Joe about the idea of like the expert or like how to find your niche mm-hmm. in a sense to be like, you can be a generalist, but once you find your niche and you hone in on that, then you get known for that specific niche, yep. which I think is really valuable in tech because there's so much noise and there's so many things to learn mm-hmm. and it's a bit overwhelming. And so finding that little sliver and then kind of just focusing on that allows you to stand out. Yeah. Yep. I think the other thing that kind of reading between the lines of what you said that really came out to me was passion goes a long way as well, right? You know, yes, you, yeah, you talked about true. applying to speak at, at the conferences and things like that and just sharing what you're doing. And you're passionate about view and I'm passionate about view. That means that we have something in common and I immediately relate to you. And so then all of the other things come into play but we already have that one thing in common and that's something that we can build on as well. Definitely. And, and since the community is small, like you said, it's really easy when you get to those conferences to see a lot of the same people over and over again and start making those connections. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'd also say that even in other communities, people are often more approachable than, than they might seem. You know, if you see Dan Abramoff at a conference, he's not going to have like, you know, four bodyguards surrounding him and, you know, making <laughs> so stars, nice. no pictures, no pictures. I'd love to this see that. He's super nice. He's super nice. And I, I've seen him like coding on a table alone. And like he's there because like he, he'd kind of like to like talk to people and meet people. You know, he'd be hiding somewhere <laughs> like in a hotel room or something if he didn't want to talk to people. Mm-hmm. If you see people and unless they are like running away or towards something or something like that. Feel free to come up and say hi and, you know, talk about, you know, the things that you're passionate about with other people who are passionate about those same things. Yep. It's fun. Yeah. Excitement goes a really long way. It might seem naive, but being very passionate, like what Chuck was saying and Chris, that shows your interest and that's an immediate connection with someone. So if you know someone from the community like Dan Dan Abramov or... Andrew Clark or whoever else I have or Chris Fritz. I like brought up all the React people. It's like, this is a view podcast. What is this? No, it's all good. I mean, both of those guys are really friendly. So they are, they are like when you're really excited about something, people are really forgiving of like, if you don't know the specific implementation details of something, like I've had in-depth conversations with Dan Abramoff, for example, and I don't know the internals of how React is built, but he is more than happy to answer questions if you ask. So if you're like, hey, I was wondering, what was the decision for doing this? Or like, why did you, what's the implementation reasons for React hooks, for example? He will geek out and even like sit down at his computer, open it up and write code, like to show you just like what exactly to explain what he's talking about, which I think is just wonderful. And that's what we need in the community. Just like that ability for people to be approachable, that there's no hierarchy because that is just, it's just unnecessary, right? Because we're all just doing the same. We're all just developers doing things and talking about them maybe or writing about it or podcasting about it. So, yep. So I'm, I'm a little curious if you could just fill people in on where you're at now. I mean, we've been doing the show for almost a year. I don't think anyone's situation's changed that much, but 
we typically talk about the technology and the community and where all of that is headed. And I, I want to make it a little bit more approachable, right? So it's, for example, Divya works for Netlify. So, you know, you can talk a little bit about what you do there, where you are with, with life and things, and just kind of give people an idea of what, what you're up to these days. I don't think yeah. Divya worked for Netlify. No. Yes, that's a really fun story, actually. So my talk at ViewConf last year was not my first conference talk because I've given conference talks before, but a lot of the conference talks were very, very like meh. Like, I, I don't know, some people give their first and it's amazing, but that was not the case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd given a couple and they were like, okay. And I was very much in the React space. And then this was my first View conference talk. The talk went really well. Like I had help from Chris and like various other people who would happily like explain things with me and like go over concepts. And so I was pretty well prepared and I gave the talk at ViewConf and I met Netlify there actually. And that was where they were like, hey, you seem to do this a lot. I I didn't. (laughs) 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 And that's like kind of where the conversation started around like, do I want to work there as a developer advocate? Because they were looking to grow that team. And that was something that they were interested in pursuing. Also, they wanted to, to connect more the view community. So Netlify is, is very much React heavy. The app is written in React. A lot of the developers are React developers and we don't really do any view at all. Well, before I joined. And then me joining was more just a way for them to reach out to the view community or to kind of glue, put the glue between the two. Right. Uh, because Netlify is ultimately a fairly agnostic platform. The idea is to help with deployment workflows and like serverless and various other things. It's essentially just to give power to the modern front-end developer. My job now is pretty much trying to make those connections. So a lot of the things I do is related to using Netlify with Vue. And there's a lot of tutorials around that. I talk a lot about that. I give conference talks. I talk on podcasts and I try to broaden that, that use case so that Netlify doesn't seem as hostile to people who are not React developers. Right. Very cool. Yeah. I I love those stories, right? Where it's, you know, you got out there, you talked about something you cared about and yeah, and then turned into a job. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I feel like I don't want to disregard the role that luck plays into all of this. Right. Because I'm like, some people put in the work, like Sarah mentioned at one point that she put in a lot of work and, Mm -hmm you know, like it took a really long time for her to reach that point of like, oh, people like actually recognize the work that she does. So a lot of it like plays in, luck plays in because some people like that time is very short for others. That time is very long. They have to constantly put in the work and no one recognizes it. And so, yeah, there's definitely like right place, right time. And you get noticed for the thing at this specific time and then it takes off. Yeah, I think Sarah said she was doing the same awesome work for like three years before anyone noticed. Yeah, it's just a matter of, yeah. Well, I've heard, I don't remember who said it, but I heard somebody once say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, that's fair. Right. And so, you know, she was doing the work and an opportunity came up and that worked out for her. And it's the same thing that you're talking about, Divya, right? It was, you did the work, you know, you had Chris and a bunch of other people help you with your talk you became expert enough to really go and and talk to Netlify about the things they cared about and it worked out. So was it luck? Well, maybe, but you put in a whole bunch of work to make sure that you were put yourself in the right place at the right time. Right. Exactly. My help was pretty minimal. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was, it was mostly just like, oh, wow, that's really cool. How'd you do that? <laughs> what? No, that was, that Like was, all your demos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, that's where she learned both things she's ever learned from Chris. <laughs> I just go to Chris for like compliments. There you go. He'll be like, wait, how did you do that? I'm like, thanks. That was all I needed. All right. Back to- thanks. I've learned a lot about how awesome I am. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Chris, where are you at these days? Because I remember initially you were talking about like Patreon and you've been doing contracts and yeah. So what, what, what are you up to these days? Yeah. So when I started this podcast, I was uh, doing a lot of consulting and still, still doing consulting. I hadn't yet start, launched my Patreon yet. But I've launched that, and that's that's going pretty good. It's still, um, you know, not where I'd like it to be. But you can support me at Patreon.com/slash Chris Viewfritz, C H R I S V U E F R I T Z. If you'd like to support me and the work that I do uh, in the View community, and my very generous sponsors already help me dedicate like more time to View every week without having to worry about am I going to be able to keep the heat on this month, which is important if you live in Michigan during the winter. Very important. <laughs> I would die. <laughs> and more importantly, so would my very cute cat. The, the one you resuscitated earlier in the podcast. No, that was a different cat. Different cat. Is that oh. a cat hospital? No, I don't, I don't work at a cat hospital, but we it's do have a, some good ones. It's a wayward home for cats. Yeah. He's a benevolent cat god king. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, so I'm still, I'm still, doing, still doing consulting. I found that I, I'm definitely doing more speaking than I was when I first started. You know, that's taken off and I, I have to decide like how much of that I want to do uh, because I, I don't think I have the constitution to travel as much as, you know, sometimes Sarah has, for example. I, I've heard like sometimes she's been gone for months at a time. Oh, wow. Even for me, dealing with something uh, on, on a much smaller scale and not being in the kind of demand that Sarah is like for, I think maybe September and October, I maybe saw Divya in person more than I saw my wife. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. We kept me, it's like almost every week. I'd be like, see you in like wherever we were going. Yeah. See you tomorrow yeah. in another city. <laughs> I think I would just go, I would fly home to unpack, do laundry, repack then leave. <laughs> Something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. My travel schedule is ramping up this year. Last year, I didn't travel a ton. But yeah, the journey with this podcast for me has been kind of interesting too, just because A, I had played with Angular a bunch because we did a show on it. But Vue was something that I really started to get interested in because of this show. Another thing that was interesting just over the course of this last year, and uh, I'm just going to talk about it for a minute, is that I've kind of gotten a better idea around what I want to be doing with the shows and what we're, you know, everything that's going on with dev chat. And so my journey is, has been more along the lines of running a business that does podcasts and being a podcaster as opposed to a programmer. One of the big things, and you'll actually notice if you go and listen to, I think it's like episodes 23, 24, 25, 26, I wasn't on any of those. The reason was, was that my dad passed away last year in April and I I had to kind of get my head back on straight and, you know, and and take some time to just deal with it and grieve and things like that. So, I mean, it was a process for me and then just realizing, hey, 
life isn't always going to, cause I, I coasted for a lot of things. I mean, I did a bunch of work, but in some ways I was coasting and just realizing, Hey, you know, where, where do I want to wind up? What am I doing here? What am I trying to accomplish with these shows and realizing that, you know, a lot of the ideas that we've talked about around, you know, taking responsibility for life and getting where you want to be and things like that are really core things for me that really matter to me. And realizing then that these shows need to be about that, right? So we're going to talk about technology, but what I'm hoping to accomplish is that when we talk about technology or careers or dealing with people or whatever we're talking about, that these are things that are going to help people get from where they are to where they want to be and, and have whatever level of freedom they want. And so for some people, that level of freedom is I can travel all over the world. For other people, it's I can go surfing after work on Friday. And for other people, it's going to be I want to go contribute to open source. And so just having content out there that's going to help people you know, reach the level that's going to enable them to have whatever it is that they want in their lifestyle and their career, that's, that's what I'm after. It's kind of inspired me to start looking at starting a few more shows on a few more topics. It's inspired me to start looking at other ways that I can reach people and give them the content that they need, maybe walk them through certain processes. And so it's just been stuff like that that's kind of that I've, I've gotten to. And at the same time, I've also gotten to the place where I realized that I need to document how we do everything to get all of the content out. Because if I can get that on autopilot, then I can focus on making sure that I'm getting the content out there that gets people there, if that makes sense. So that, that's yeah, kind of been my focus for the last little while. Yeah, it sounds like a good focus. I mean, in a lot of ways, like I've been trying to do some similar things. Like it, as, as Vue has grown and as the community is growing, I've often struggled with figuring out like what my work should look like. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my Vue work in particular these days, I actually don't spend that much time writing documentation, even though that's what I was, uh, I was originally known for, because there's just like, there's just too much. Yep. And there's also a lot of community things that I, that I try to focus on in terms of like collaborating with events, helping support people who are newer to the ecosystem, you know, helping them, you know, get prepared to speak at conferences, to do workshops, to, you know, create that library that, they've had an idea for, and they're not sure where to start, you know, cause I, I really want to help grow the community. And I, I've been in some ways like neglecting some of the, some of the documentation duties and feeling sometimes really crappy about that. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've often felt like I'm letting people down because I, I can't do all the things that I know are important. I know would make a big impact. And so something that I'm, I've been trying to do and I'm, I'm still trying to do is, is make myself more redundant and right. delegate more and, uh, you know, outline more processes so that it's easier for people to do work that, that I used to do because it's no good for the community if, if I'm a bottleneck for things. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that like happened later than they should have because I was the bottleneck because like I, you know, didn't have time to, to dedicate to it when other people were doing really hard work and, and I don't, I don't like that situation. I don't want to be in that place or, or I don't want to be that person. So yeah. working on it and it's still, it's still far from perfect, but trying to improve all the time. Yeah, I definitely identify with all of that. And the other thing is, is that if you remove yourself as the bottleneck, the other thing that'll happen is then you can focus on the areas where Chris really does shine and you can allow other people to come in and do the things that they're really good at. 
And that way we get the best of all of that. Yeah, I'm trying to as much as possible. It's, it's hard to find the balance between production and production capacity. So hard. <laughs> I saw Divya unmute for a minute. Did you have something to share? Oh, no, no, no. I just, wanted, I was, I just had to cough and I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to ruin the moment. But totally, I, I get that. It, it's kind of hard because you have to think through like how to delegate. I'm really bad at delegating and I always think I have more time than I actually do. And so, yeah, that, that ends up spiraling because you're like, oh, I have, I think I have this much time. I think I can get to it. And then it just ends up being pushed to the next day for forever into eternity. And urgent things keep coming up. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Um, So you feel reactive. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very normal reaction to things that when something comes up, you immediately react to it rather than prioritizing the things you'd intended to do in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've run into with a lot of this is just trying to delegate things that I really do need to manage, right? There are some things that are easy to delegate that have an immediate payoff for doing so. And there are other things that aren't. And I've tried to delegate some of the things that aren't and run into roadblocks and then realize, no, I need to delegate these other things first because it opens up more opportunities for, for these other areas. And it's hard to know what those are sometimes until you're actually trying to hand it off and realize that it's hard to do. Yeah. And learning when to say no, obviously. Yeah. Uh, or, or learning when to say, you know, I just don't have time, even if someone's only asking for like 15 minutes of your time, which yeah. I, always, I always feel like such a jerk saying no in those cases. But I could literally fill up every single day just responding to people who want things. I get and, that too. And they're probably like... In many cases, like they want me to help them do something really cool for the community. So it's not even that they're acting like super selfishly. You know, I am glad that they reach out, but I just feel, I I feel so bad saying like, I just don't have time for this one. I have to draw the line somewhere else. Like I'm never going to get my long-term goals that are, you know, like not on fire done. Yeah. It's been really hard. I I get that too. Uh, You know, people reach out because they, Again, they're doing something cool for the community. They want to get the word out, things like that, or, you know, get some advice on how to, you know, and and again, I don't have time either. Usually I'll try and pick like one every week and give them the 15 minutes because I can't do it for everybody, but maybe I can do it for one. But yeah, it's hard to do there too. Um, One question that came up on Ruby Rogues and I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to ask this one next is with all the things that everybody has going on, what do you do to decompress? That's a good Uh question. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i um so <laughs> i will say that gosh it was about maybe uh a year ago in in therapy where my my therapist asked me so like what do you do for fun when you're not working and i said but i i enjoy my work it's like no but when you're not working what do you do for fun it's like but i i, I like my work is pretty fun i like doing that it's like no but when you're not working <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's and a common I, thing I, yeah that, that's something that's been that's been hard for me like i sometimes feel like anxious like almost like you know people talk about being anxious when they're on vacation because they're thinking about all the things they're gonna have to do when they get back yeah like mm-hmm. i feel that when i'm taking breaks a lot of times i have tried to you know get back into like reading more fiction books and i have done a, a pretty decent job of that playing games sometimes like spending more time with friends and family things like that that are important, but yeah, I, I just, I, I still need to get over this thing where I always feel like I'm letting people down 
whenever I'm not doing something productive. What do you do when you need to switch context? For example, you're like working on a project and you're hitting a brick wall. And then what do you do to, to kind of just like turn your mind off for a bit? Hmm. Well, my brain is a little bit weird okay. in the sense that, <laughs> you know, those like troubleshooting problems that you're working on and like the thing that is happening, like should be impossible. <laughs> and you're not sure why it's happening. Yeah. But you have, to bug it. you have to figure it out. Like, I actually love those problems and I would happily. So you like, would just keep attacking it? I, yeah, I could easily spend all of my waking hours on that and be very content. Interesting. Hit wall, bang head. Yeah, that's, actually. Uh, that's good. Like, I crazy. enjoy banging my head against something until it eventually cracks. It's just high intensity training. But that's something that's easier for me. Like stuff that's harder for me is switching between like a lot of different things, which I often have to. Interesting. How about you, Divya? I'm not like that. I think that is very unique. And I definitely cannot attack a problem relentlessly for a long time because I go crazy. I usually take a break by like taking a walk. That helps usually. Being a book helps. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to meditate more just to like kind of turn off my mind and like kind of calm down because you know sometimes when you're thinking about a specific problem and you get really anxious and your heart rate kind of goes up a little bit and then you sp you start sp well I notice Chris probably has a full control over his mental capacity but I <laughs> I spiral very quickly I spiral and spiral where you're just like spinning your wheels spinning your wheels and then you just get no way. You get increasingly more frustrated. And I find just taking a break to meditate helps a little bit, just like breathing. Meditating is difficult, but I realize that just trying to regulate breath and then focusing on that helps just because it gives you some mindfulness over your physical body. And that takes you out of your head just a little bit. And walking helps a lot. Like It's like you can meditate while walking in a sense. It's not like meditation doesn't always require like closing your eyes and sitting cross-legged. You can take like a walk and walking yeah. in itself has the meditative quality because it's repetitive. You're moving your legs one before the other. It's rhythmic. Um, it's rhythmic and it, sends, it tends to like put you in a completely different wavelength, which is really useful for creative problem solving and mm -hmm. just like trying to break out of a rut. And I find that super helpful. Sometimes when I've reached a level of immense frustration, I like go for a workout just because I find it like, I like have a lot of aggression and I'm like, I need to, I need some outlet to just do something more intense. And that is incredibly helpful. I only realized this after traveling intensively last year that this is like the most effective way for me to like decompress just because I don't, it's kind of weird, but for me doing something very physical takes me out of my head and then automatically my mood is like way better. It's always a slog like doing it because I hate working out. <laughs> but, but like at the end, it usually sometimes when when Divya is grumpy, I just tell her to go take a hike. Or also, <laughs> nice. also sometimes related to um, I I go have a snack because uh, <laughs> I get really yeah. I can get really grumpy and I don't eat and I'm like, oh. I, I've, I've given you a cookie more than once. Yes, you have. Actually, I think Chris has seen me in this state many times. I mean, we all, I mean, yeah. you've seen me none of my best too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when you're traveling with people oh, and yeah. Yeah, you, you get anxious. 
uh, a lot of times like uh, there's sort of a, an, an acronym that is used in uh, dialectal behavioral therapy sometimes uh, called TIP, uh, which stands for temperature, intensity, and pace breathing. And it's basically all the stuff that Divi was just talking about, you know, so like taking an ice pack, putting it, you know, on your face or something like that, changing the temperature, you know, going for a walk outside, like if it's brisk, you know, that, that can change the temperature intensity, like getting some exercise, going for a walk, you know, going for a hike. I like playing some Beat Saber sometimes. It's a, a nice. VR game, <laughs> which is really nice. You're basically, it's like DDR with lightsabers in a virtual space, which is super cool. <laughs> Nice. Um, I'm going to push this a little bit because um, I have uh, Adventures in England in about nine minutes. Yeah. Okay. No, but I want to know what P is. Quick. P is breathing. So it's P P is breathing. Oh, it's just B. Breathing. Ah, paste. I was like, Chris, that's not how you spell breathing. It's breathing. What? What? No. Breathing. I love it. Breathing. (laughs) No, so just like breathing in and out slowly and intentionally, like, you know, a lot of people get intimidated by, you know, quote unquote meditating, you know, so you don't have to like necessarily have your mind clear and, you know, be one with the universe or anything, you know, just breathing in and out slowly and focusing on your breathing like that, that helps. Yeah. Nice. So for me, uh, a lot of the decompressing, I mean, what Divi is talking about on the short term stuff. Yeah. Go, I'll go take a walk or go for a drive or something like that. But some of the other stuff, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is just read to my kids. So oh, that's cool. um, we've yeah. been reading, over Christmas, we read The Immortal Nicholas by Glenn Beck. We also have read uh, Michael Bay, which are kind of uh, teen. It's kind of on the level of Harry Potter, except they have electrical powers. And uh, that, that's been fun. And so just stuff like that. Besides that, with my wife and some of my friends, uh, we'll get together and we'll play board games. Joe Eames. He and his wife are really big on board games. I've also gone and played Dungeons and Dragons with Joe. I also play with my uh, brothers and sisters. I have nine brothers and sisters, and I go play with five or six of them. But yeah, just things like that, where it's just kind of to get out. I can be myself. I can be semi-social and, you know, and just relax. And at the same time, you know, I can throw my head at a problem like Dungeons and Dragons or playing a board game without having to like fully commit like I do when I write code. So Yeah, I think it's so valuable to have a hobby outside of coding. Like I climb and that's like what I enjoy doing. I fix my Um, cars. Yeah. And it's just like, in a sense, it is like you said, Chuck, a a means of problem solving, but a completely different set of problems. And so you're still exercising your mind, but you're not in the context of code anymore. And so that is, it's still useful because you're like doing a similar motion, but for a different task. And that can be helpful when you come back. Because you're, you've already kind of you feel that that mm-hmm. success of having solved another problem, right? <laughs> and then when you come back, you just like that helps you immensely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects, and that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them, and if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. 
you can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash view. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Well, I'm going to push this to picks because uh, I am on kind of a time crunch here. Chris, do you have some things you want to pick? I do, just a couple. One of them is a book called Semiosis, S-E-M-I-O-S-I-S by Sue Burke. It's a really good science fiction, sort of like exploring alien species and like exploring like civilization book. For people who enjoyed a previous pick of mine called Children of Time by another author, I'd say if you like Children of Time, you'll definitely like Semiosis. And then my last pick is just sleep. Uh, make sure you're getting enough sleep because we talked about ways to reduce anxiety, like sleep, getting enough sleep is a, is a huge factor in that. If you're not getting enough sleep, it doesn't matter if you're meditating or exercising or anything like that, you need to sleep. And also in terms of like being able to solve those hard problems that we were talking about earlier, there are so many times, like how many times has this happened to you, Chuck and you, Divya, that you've been working on a hard problem, you go to sleep, you wake up and then it's like, oh, I know what to do. Yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot. Well, it's like the your, same thing with like going for a walk or taking a break or a lot of these things, right? Yeah, you come back refreshed and knowing what to do. That's awesome. It. Divya, what are your picks? Cool. My first pick is a blog post that I just came across called Our Software Dependency Problem by this guy named Russ Cox. I think he works at Google. And it's just like, I, I didn't finish reading it because I literally just saw it while I was on this podcast. But it's really interesting because it talks about just like the dependency issue within JavaScript. And I think he talks a little bit about Go because that's what he works on. And just like, I think it's in general, just like dependency in general. And don't quote me on that because I actually didn't read the whole thing. But I think it's really cool. And I'm going to continue reading it after this recording. Um, the second one is a book called Mort, which is part of the Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. It's book three. Discworld is a series. I don't actually know how many books there are in it. Uh, I'm not really... I, I'm very new to Terry Pratchett. I've read only a couple of his stuff. But... I actually skipped over. So there's there's two other books before this, but I skipped over the first two <laughs> to get to this one because I was reading a lot of reviews and people have mentioned that this one is actually really like hilarious and fun. And the first two is a bit of a slog. And like, I know like I might be bludgeoned by a couple of like diehard fans, but whatever. I'll save you the bludgeoning. I've never read any Terry Thank Pratchett. You. Yeah, it, it's actually really nice. Mort is... The humor is, I would say, on the same level as the Hitchhiker series. So it's a very lighthearted read because I read The Book Thief right before this. And it was very... The Book Thief is about the war and it's very depressing. Um, it's heartwarming, but, but in a depressing way. And so this is a really nice lighthearted read, which I really enjoy. And then my last is a podcast series done by Duolingo. I'm learning Spanish. I think I've mentioned that in previous series, previous episodes, but nice. they do like a transcript and they do both English and Spanish like interweaving. So it's been really good for just like learning, listening comprehension. That's all. Nice. I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks. So uh, one thing that I've, I've been going through some health things. And so I'm going to start a new series on the DevRev, which is where I mentioned that I've been talking about career stuff and things like that. The series I've decided I'm going to call it the Big 4-0, and I'm going to talk about how young you should be or feel when you're about to turn 40, because I'm turning 40 this year. 
And uh, yeah, well, I turned 39 in December, so I'm still kind of new to 39. We'll see. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you just got used to 39. And now you're fine. I know, right? <laughs> but but the idea is is like basically so the DevRev is about empowering developers. And so the big 4.0 is essentially, you know, a lot of people look at 40 and they're like, you know, they have a midlife crisis and they, you know, they're worried about all these things and I'm getting old. And I just want to let people know, look, I'm going to be 40 and I plan to do this until I'm 80. So I'm still young, right? And at the same time, talk about some, you know, some of the stuff that I'm going through at 40, you know, and, and just, you know, I guess be a little bit more authentic and open about my life. But so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, so I, I thought I'd plug that on the show. The other pick that I have is, is Zoom. And that's just something that I've been using for the last little while to record the shows. And that's worked out pretty well. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way that that's gone. So uh, I'm going to pick that as well. All right, well, I've got to jump off and start Adventures in Angular. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But thank you, thank you both for coming. It's been great. Thanks. Bye, bye, everybody. Looking right. forward to another 50 of them. Divya, can you say in Spanish, until next week? Hasta próximo semana. <laughs> Almost, I think. Isn't it la semana? I don't know. No, anyway. No, no, próxima Spanish, semana so. is next week. But it's, I thought it was próxima. Ah, próxima. Próxima. Yeah. Próxima semana. Yeah. Muy bien. All right, folks. We'll catch you all next week. All right. Bye. See us. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.